Thank you so much for that band. Those were wonderful songs. All right, if you would pray with me one more time, please. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord, to be drawn close. I pray that you would speak to us, that you would teach us, that you would inspire us and encourage us. More than anything, Lord, I pray that you would remind us of who you are and who we are. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the message that your spirit would speak to us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We have been, since about Christmas time, studying our way through the gospel of Luke. And over the past few months, we have heard Jesus speak about his mission statement, which we determined then should therefore be our mission statement. We heard Jesus call his disciples, and we understood that we are also a part of that call to discipleship. We saw Jesus heal some who were sick. We've seen him transfigured, and we have been inspired as we saw him set his face toward Jerusalem, where he would give his life in order that we would have salvation. And these past couple of weeks, more recently, we have been listening as Jesus teaches through the parables of God's kingdom and of our call. Parables are short stories that Jesus would often use to help us understand a particular uh, principle or concept about God's kingdom. And so last week we heard a set of three parables that taught us how very valuable every single lost person is to our Father in heaven and how all of heaven rejoices when even one sinner repents. And my prayer is that as you heard that message that Pastor Johnson gave us last week, that each and every one of you were inspired to know that on the day you turn toward the Lord Jesus Christ, all of heaven rejoiced. All of heaven rejoiced on the day that you were found. And I pray that you were encouraged that as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ, it is now our job collectively to reach out and help to find those who are lost and not yet find uh, and not yet found. And so this week, we uh, heard Pat read for us the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And through this parable, Jesus is going to teach us some very important lessons about life in God's kingdom, about the choices that we make in this life, and how those choices are going to affect us in the next. Now, you all know that Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees when he shared this group of parables that we've been studying over the last couple of weeks. The, the Pharisees were giving Jesus a whole bunch of flack about who it was that he was hanging with and what it was that he was doing. Now, just a few verses prior to the story we heard, Luke refers to the Pharisees as lovers of money. They are lovers of money. They uh, were very impressed with their own riches, which they saw as blessing from God for being good. And they were very impressed with their status, which they saw uh, as being good because they worked so hard to keep the law. However, Jesus, as you know, begged to differ. And so he told them this series of stories. So the first thing I want us to do this morning is I want to look at what this parable would have meant for the Pharisees, for the people to whom they were spoken in the day that it was spoken. And then, knowing that, I want to take a look at what this parable would mean for you and me today and what it would mean for us moving forward from this day. And so that's a roadmap, everybody, of where we're going. 
And the story starts like this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Now, Jesus is showing us right here two very differing situations. There was a rich man, and he was dressed in purple and fine linen. Now, purple was a dye that was made from mollusks back in that day, and it was very, very costly. So garments that were purple were worn by those were, who were royalty, because they could afford it, and by the very richest people once in a while. But Jesus tells us that this man wore purple and fine linen every day. And what that should tell us is that this man spared no expense to lavish upon himself the goodness that he could afford every single day of his life. He lived in luxury every day. Luke tells us. Now, the word that Luke uses to describe this luxury, this lifestyle that this rich man was, uh, was living, is euphreno. Euphreno, that is the Greek word. We saw euphreno last week when the father of the prodigal son threw a great big party, uh, killed the fatted calf, and had a grand feast. And that Luke also used the word euphreno. So, uh, so this man was so rich, Luke is telling us, that his whole life was euphreno. His whole life was a party. And then, in contrast, there's Lazarus, who was not dressed in fine linens, but clothed in sores from head to toe. And he was laid there right at the gate outside the rich man's home, filthy, and starving and longing to just get a scrap to hold him over and literally dying as he laid there. Now, here's a fun fact for you. Lazarus in this parable is the only character of any of Jesus's parables that's actually given a name. And Jesus gave him the name Lazarus, which is derived from Eleazar, which means God helps. God helps helps is what Lazarus's name means. And scholars believe that Jesus gave him this name so that the Pharisees would understand that even though this man was lacking in physical blessings, he was godly in spirit. Okay. So the gate, the gate at which this poor man was laid, that's an important thing for you and me to keep in the back of our minds because we're going to see it and hear from it again. That gate acts to separate the rich man's home from the poor man who would surely defile it. It acted as a separator. The gate kept the sick and dirty guy on the outside while there was Euphreno, there was partying happening on the inside. Okay, And every day, Jesus said, this rich man would walk past the poor man at the gate. The rich man ignored the hungry and the naked Lazarus and just walked right on by. He just walked right on by. He did nothing to help poor Lazarus. Maybe this rich guy just didn't care. Or maybe he didn't see him. Because it's quite possible that Jesus is telling us that this, ran, this rich man is so engrossed, that he's so enthralled with his riches, that he just turns a blind eye to the man in need right outside his gate. He just doesn't see him. And he does nothing to help 
even though the law and the scriptures commanded that the Jewish would care for the poor and the needy, this rich man just didn't. He didn't. And therein lies the problem. Now, just like these two couldn't be more opposite in life, Jesus shows us that they are also opposite in death as well. The rich people of that day, we know from looking at uh, past accounts, they would have had a proper burial. They would have had an actual tomb. There would have been hired people to mourn and to wail. There would have been a great funeral procession toward the, the tomb where this dead person would be buried and there would more than likely be a grand feast, a euphreno, to celebrate the life of that person and to honor them after they died. But the poor people in that day did not have such luxury when they died. They were just carried and dumped on the outskirts of town into a mass grave where the dogs would eat their bodies. So these people, this rich man and Lazarus, they were opposite in life, they were opposite in death, and Jesus tells us that they would wind up in opposite destinations. Because the poor man, Jesus said, was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. And the rich man was in Hades, where there was torment. And I want us to observe that even in the torment after his death, even when he was in the flames and he was being tortured, this rich man still didn't show any care towards Lazarus. But what did he do? He said to Abraham, send that guy to dip his finger in the water and give me a drink because I'm thirsty down here. As if Lazarus's only value was to serve him. And Abraham said, no, that's not going to happen because there is a great chasm that separates here and there and it cannot be crossed. Where you are, you are, and that's not going to change. It's final. And so the rich man said, fine, then send Lazarus back to my father's house to tell my brothers so that they don't end up here as well. And what Abraham said is very interesting to me. He said, your brothers have Moses and the prophets. If they don't listen to them, they are not going to listen to a man who comes back from the dead. Moses and the prophets, that refers to the Old Testament, the scripture of that day. Every Jew knew what the scriptures of that day said, but not every Jew did what the scriptures of that day said. And so basically, Abraham is saying, you've got the word of God to tell you how to live. And either you're going to heed it or you're not going to heed it. And if you're not, let me tell you where you're going to end up. There's a lot in that story, isn't there? There's a lot to take in. So what did Jesus want the Pharisees to understand? That's the first question. What did Jesus want the Pharisees to understand? I think first that Jesus wasn't telling them that the rich man went to Hades because he was rich. Because it's not a sin to be rich. Okay? And the poor man didn't go to heaven just because he was poor. That is not a, a common outcome either. These destinations that the rich man and the poor man had in death had nothing to do with their status in life. It had nothing to do with their riches or their possessions in life, but it had everything to do with their hearts. And whether or not they heeded the word of God, it had to do with their obedience to God during their lives. Now, those Pharisees that Jesus was speaking to, they were so busy looking at their own status and their own riches and tooting their own horns that they were blind to the fact that 
guess what? They weren't really heeding God's command. They weren't doing what God's word commanded them to do. They, those Pharisees, like the rich man, they were physically rich, but they were spiritually poor, and they couldn't even see it. They were blind to it. And Jesus wanted these Pharisees to see that there are lost people all around them. And as servants of God, it is their obligation to reach out to those people who are lost to God. Not by pointing fingers at the ones that they felt didn't measure up like they were doing, but by welcoming the very outcasts they were giving Jesus flack about hanging with. Welcoming the very people that they were shunning. And sharing with them about God's love and God's grace, either through acts of mercy or through words of hope. But the Pharisees were not doing that. And Jesus wanted those Pharisees to understand that it isn't what we have here that determines where we will go after death, but how we have behaved so that they and others would not suffer the same plight as the rich man. Those are pretty good lessons, wouldn't you say? But what does that mean for you and me? What does Jesus have for us to learn from that story? Let me tell you another story. Once there was a rich man who was clothed in the purest of white linens, and he lived in a mansion and he feasted daily with his father. At his gate laid one who was covered in filth, who was poor and lost and helpless to pass through the gate, which separated that poor one from the father's mansion. And this rich man saw the one who was lying at the gate, and he had compassion. So he stepped out from the father's mansion and took upon himself the filthy garment from the one at the gate. And he gave all that he had, so the poor one at the gate could himself be clothed in the purest of white garments and welcomed into the father's mansion. What if you and I are Lazarus? What if you and I are Lazarus? What if we are the ones whom God helps through the gracious and merciful sacrifice of his only son? What if you and I couldn't pass through the gate to the father's house, but then there was one who was willing to come and be the gate so that we could go through? I was Lazarus. I was sick, and I was poor, and I was filthy, and I was helpless, and I was separated from my God. And Jesus, Jesus became for me the gate. And through his death, burial, and resurrection, he made it possible for me to pass through at the end of this life and to know Euphranos. To know eternal life of goodness and fellowship in the presence of my Father in heaven. And let me tell you something. I thank God for the person in my life who so urgently wanted me to know that. That she told me all about Jesus. And she did what she had to do in order to help me find him. And she loved me right into his arms. I think that we're all Lazarus, you and I. All of us lay before the gate at the Father's house covered in sin and covered in selfishness and covered in addiction and in lostness. We are hopeless and we are helpless on our own. 
But then there was Jesus who longed to wrap you in his garment and walk you through the gate. So he laid down his very life for you. What do we do with that, folks? What do we do with that? I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with it. We look for Lazarus. We look for Lazarus and we remember who we are because we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to seek and save those who are lost. And his mission statement, remember, is our mission statement. And his work is our work. And those whom he loves and longs for, we then therefore should love and long for as well. May we not be blinded. May we not be oblivious like those Pharisees were. But may we look for those who are lost and helpless in this world. And may we show them to the gate. May we show them to Jesus. And I want you to understand that they're all around us. Lazarus is in our homes. Lazarus is in our workplaces. He is shopping at our grocery store and he's pouring coffee into our mug at the diner. And God's word tells you and me exactly what we need to do. You and I need to reach out in love through acts of mercy and through sharing the good news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Eternity is forever. And that's why you and I so urgently need to care for those who are lost around us right now. Whether they be lost like Lazarus or whether they be blind like the rich man, you and I are called to reach out to them right now. It was done for me, thank God. And it was done for you. We were reached out to by someone who urgently wanted to share with us the message of eternal life. Euphranos in the presence of our Father. Maybe that's what we're called to do as well. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that when we were poor and helpless and on the wrong side of the gate that you sent your son. And we thank you for trusting us in turn to care for the sick and the poor and the lost who are among us. We pray that you would give us eyes to see them. That you would give us hearts to have compassion on them. We pray that you would give us hands and feet to help them and lips to speak to them the good news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.